Now, man, I was pretty hard on you last night, so guess what tonight is? Round two for the men. <laughs> men, we, men, we just need a lot, okay? We, we're just needy, and so it's round two. Tonight, we want to talk about being God's man. You're going to see up on the walls here, we have some, some poster boards and the, with the question, what will change? What will change? Greg has asked that question. I've asked that question. I told you to have a conversation as a family and ask yourself, what would have to change in our family in order for us to properly reflect God's glory? Here's what I would encourage you guys to do over the next few nights as, as you get a brief moment. Just there's some markers on the music stands there. Get those markers and write what's going to change in your life. And that'll be a great testimony of what God's doing in our hearts as we seek his face. We're continuing with this story, one life, one God, one glory. One glory is disappearing up there. All right, let's talk about being a man of God, the man that loves tonight. Guys, can, can I be honest with you just a moment? Sometimes, and she's sitting in here, sometimes I just, I just don't feel like loving my wife. I just don't, though I love her, sometimes I just don't feel like loving her. Why? Because I'm a sinner. I mean, I am. And, and so I want to know, what does it look like for me to love my wife, even in my sinfulness, even when I don't feel like loving her sometime? I need to be able to answer the question for myself, what does it actually mean to love my wife? Our family truth tonight is a man of God is a man that loves his wife from the overflow. A man of God is a man that loves his wife from the overflow. You know that thing, love, is a complicated thing. Because, see, I, I love dark chocolate. I mean, I do. I love dark chocolate. And, and I love blueberry pancakes, especially if they're from Cracker Barrel. Man, Cracker Barrel, blueberry pancakes. I love blueberry pancakes. And I love my wife. So are they all the same? When we talk about this thing called love, what are we actually talking about? And, and if we want to know what love really is, where do you think we should go to find that answer? No, Google. Come on, somebody said God's word. You find out about stuff from Google. You Google search it, right? So that's exactly what I did. I wanted to find out about this thing called love, so I Googled it. This is what the physicist says. According to Google, love is chemistry. The psychotherapist says love has many guises. The philosopher says that love is a passionate commitment. The romantic novelist says love drives all great stories. And then the nun says, love is free, yet binds us. Now, I appreciate Google's attempt to help me understand what love is, but you're exactly right. If we're going to find out about this thing called love, then I think we should go to the lover of our souls. We should go to God's word and see what he says. And where do you think I'm going to go? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? The great love chapter. But you know, if we're going to talk about this thing called love and God's calling all of us in this room, this is the foundation of our Christian life is this thing called love, then we should really be able to insert our name where we see that word love, right? How about Shane is patient? 
Shane is kind. Shane does not envy. Shane does not boast. Shane is not proud. Shane is not rude. I'm failing, guys. I'm failing here. Shane is not self-seeking. Shane is not easily angered. Shane keeps no record of wrongs. Shane does not delight in evil. Shane rejoices with the truth. Shane always protects. Shane always trusts. Shane always hopes. Shane always perseveres. Wow, that's heavy. Guys, this love that God's actually calling us to, this agape love. We're not talking about this gushy kind of love. We're talking about the love that's an action, the verb of love. So how do we live out this thing called love that God's actually calling us to? Remember, a man of God is a man that loves his wife from the overflow. Just like we're dependent on our to, to lead our wives effective, we have to be dependent to actually love our wives and the people around us effectively. And you know, guys, can I be honest with you? Sometimes it's just hard. It's just hard. And I think this video will help us understand that. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And... I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't! <laughs> Sometimes, guys, it's just hard. But what we have to remember that when it's hard is, is God gave us our wife. And we have to realize that we're just different. We're made different. And she has to deal with things in her life that, that you don't have to deal with. Man, like, like a nail in the head. Sometimes it's hard to do what God called us to do. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, beginning in verse 25. Again, God's talking to us about this picture of living our lives in a way that brings glory to him in this picture of a marriage. Verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 28, it says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 33, Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Now, according to these verses, men, what would you say is the number one responsibility of the husband? Ladies, don't help us. 
What is the man, what's the number one responsibility of a husband toward his wife? To love her. You're exactly right. To love her. We see in, in the span of nine verses, three times, God gives us the command to love our wives. So if this is the number one responsibility that we have as husbands toward our wives, what do you think, men, is the number one need of your wife? Lady, don't, ladies, don't help us. What's the number one need of your wife? To feel loved. You're exactly right. And God gave us the ability to do that. See, love is the core principle that should govern everything that you say and everything that you do. And this doesn't go for just husbands. This goes for all of us. We look back in in verse 1 of chapter 5. Paul is talking to all of us and he says, therefore, what's that therefore? He's saying, in light of what Christ has done for you, remember Paul, Paul's Uh, All of his uh, letters is Christ is, Christ has, I must. This is the I must. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So all of us are called to do this thing called love. When we look in the book of Corinthians, Paul is is trying to encourage some men to stand up and be the leaders of the church. And this is what he says to them. Well, I just missed a few points. There we go. This is what he says. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And then notice the last phrase. Let all that you do be done. In love. Paul says, men, I need you to stand up. I need you to be a leader. I want you to be watchful. I want you to stand firm in the faith. I want you to act like a man. But the most important thing is I want you to do everything you do in love. Men, can you imagine how our home would change if everything we did, we did in love? So let's dive into what it looks like as a husband for us to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Did you get that, man? God is calling you and I to love our wives as Christ loves the church. And I know what you're thinking, man. You're going, Shane, dude, I can't do that. <laughs> I just, there's no way that I can love my wife every day like Christ loves the church. And man, I'm going to say to you again, you're absolutely right. Amen. You cannot do it. And that's why I say the only way that we can love our wives is when we begin to love our wives from the overflow. That means that we have to come to that never-ending fountain and drink in deeply, men, so that out of our bellies flow rivers of living water. And what happens is it's not really us loving our wives, it's actually Christ loving our wives through us. Because we're actually soaking in the love of God so much that it fills us and then it begins to overflow out of us into those around us, specifically our wife. So let's look at what it would look like if Christ actually began to love through us. The first thing I think is our love would be selfless or unconditional. Selfless or unconditional. Jesus' love is selfless. We see that modeled in Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, guys, Christ loves us with a selfless kind of love. According to Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses. But God. 
demonstrated his wonderful love for us. And guys, when we love our wives, we must be willing to love them without conditions. When Lee and I got married in 1995, we both came from divorced families, and I wanted to let her know from the beginning that divorce was not an option in our family. I didn't want to go down that road like like our parents did. And so I began to explain to her this thing called marriage. And in that process, I said, honey, I want you to know something. I'm going to be married to you forever, unless, unless you cheat on me. And then I'm out of here. That was my stipulation. And the Life Action came to our church in 2001. And God began to show me this picture of selfless love. This picture of unconditional love. And I had to go back to my wife. And I had to seek her forgiveness. And I had to say, you know, honey, I put conditions on our love. I told you that I would stick around unless you did this. And then I was gone. And I said, honey, that's not the way God loves me. And so I want you to know, regardless of what happens in our future, I am choosing today to love you anyway. Which means if, Lord forbid, if this does happen, you better pack a bag because I'm going with you. Because my love is going to be unconditionally. So what does this selfless love look like? If I'm going to love my wife without conditions, what does it actually look like? First of all, it means that I'm going to love her Without feeling love or respected first. I'm going to love her without feeling love or respected first. Because guys, there will be times in your marriage where you don't feel like your wife is giving you the respect or the love that you feel like you need or you deserve. See, a selfless love is a love that doesn't think of itself, but rather thinks of the other person and chooses to love them in spite of your feelings. Remember I said earlier, sometimes I just don't feel like loving my wife. But God calls me to love her regardless of the way I feel. A selfless love is also a love that's not based on your perception of your wife's lovability. Now, what do I mean, your perception of your wife's lovability? That means that I don't wait until she fixes herself up physically. I come home at the end of the day, and she's been working, playing with the kids, doing all the stuff that she does all day at home, and she's still in her sweatpants, and she just has her hair up in a ponytail, and she hadn't put a bit of makeup on, and I'm going, I love you anyway. Regardless of the fact that you didn't fix yourself up physically, I love you anyway. Well, what if she doesn't fix herself up emotionally? Maybe she's just an emotional roller coaster. Things are hard, and I come home, and, and she says, The day has been horrible, the kids have been screaming, and the laundry's backed up, and I didn't get anything done, and she just kind of dumps it all on me. I choose to love her anyway. What if she doesn't fix herself up in her attitude, meaning she's very disrespectful to me, and and she's having a hard day, and I get the brunt of it all. I choose to love her anyway. That's selfless love. Selfless love also means that I expect nothing in return. I expect nothing in return. See, selfless love is a give love, not a get love. It means that I'm not giving her love so that she'll let me go hang out with the guys later on. It means that I'm not giving her love so that she gives me a little love later that night. It's a give love, not expecting to get in return. Not only will our love be selfless, 
But as Christ begins to love through us, our love will also be sacrificial. Sacrificial. Jesus' love is sacrificial. 1 John 3.16 says, But by this we know love that he laid down his life for us. See, guys, Jesus gave everything for us. And our wives will know that, that we love them when we're willing to give up ourselves for her. Few of us will ever be called to give up our life for our wives, but we will be called to give up things that seem sacrificial like we talked about last night. I love this quote by Bob Lapine. He says, it's often harder to love your wife than it would be to die for her. It involves dying daily to your own desires and dreams. In the end, sacrificial love involves a willingness on the part of a husband not only to prefer his wife as more important than himself, but a readiness to lay down everything he holds dear to care for her. It is a decision on the part of a husband that nothing will supersede his marriage covenant. It's the kind of love that never gives up. Never gives up. Sacrificial love is a love that never gives up. You know, guys, things may get really difficult down the road. None of us have any knowledge of what the future holds in our marriage. Because Lee has been pregnant 10 times, she's had seven uh, births, she's had two ectopics, um, three ectopics. Things have been tough for her hormonally. Her hormones have been haywire. And as a result, she experienced some very, very difficult postpartum depression, so much to the fact that she considered suicide. And guys, I couldn't fix the problem. So I'll be honest with you, everything inside of me wanted to retreat. Everything inside of me wanted to run because I couldn't fix it. But I made a decision that I was going to love her with a love that never gave up. And so I hung in there and I stuck it out and God radically restored my bride. You see, men, God calls us to love our wives with a love that never gives up. Our love will be selfish, it'll be sacrificial, and it also will be sanctifying. A sanctifying love. What do I mean by sanctifying? It means that our love is actually purifying. Remember the, the scripture says that we wash her with the word. See, Jesus' love is sanctifying. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. John MacArthur has a great quote about this sanctifying love. He says, when a husband's love for his wife is like Christ's love for the church, he will continually seek to help purify her from any sort of defilement. He will seek to protect her from the world's contamination and to protect her holiness, her virtue, and purity in every way. He will never induce her to do that which is wrong or unwise or expect her to do that which is less than good. So how do we love our wives with a sanctifying love? The first thing we got to do is we got to make sure that we're pouring into our wives' purity. Pouring into our wives' purity. How do we pour into our wives' purity? Well, I think the first way that we pour into our wives' purity is by praying for our wives and praying with our wives. Listen to me, men. We can't miss this important truth. Your praying for your wife is not about you. And it's not about your comfort. It's about her purity. 
And if we're going to be real men, we have to be willing to get over our uncomfortableness and pray with our wives. We also need to be willing to study Scripture with her. Take some time to comb over God's Word and see what God's Word is saying and and study Scripture with her. How about memorizing Scripture with her? My wife is a lot better at this than I am. Not one of my giftedness to be able to memorize. I can memorize it for five minutes, but don't ask me an hour later. I just don't do real good at that. But being willing to do this communicates love. Men, we should be washing our brides with the Word. Praying God's Word over her. Teaching her God's Word. Helping her understand God's Word. We must also be willing to keep ourselves pure. Keep ourselves pure. Our actions need to communicate this to our wives. We have a rule in our home. In, at, in Alabama where we live, and we go, when we go to the mall, we always go through the food court. I don't know why we enter through the food court, but we do. We go through the food court, and, and we usually turn right. And when we're going down that corridor, down that hallway, there's a particular store that's up on the front corner of that hallway. And the name of the store is Victoria's Secret. And so we have a rule in our family. All of my children know it. My wife know it. And if we're going down that hallway, what you're going to hear my children say and my wife say is, eyes left, Papa. And we do that for a reason because I want my children to know and I want my wife to know that my eyes are for her and her alone. I can see that store in my mental Rolodex. By the way, men, we have mental Rolodexes. Once it's in there, it doesn't go away. I can see that store, but you know what I can't see? I can't see in my Rolodex the pictures that are in the windows. Because I've made a decision to eyes left. Men, that means that we're not willing to take a second glance when that pretty lady walks by. That means that we're guarding what we look at on the TV and what we look, look at on the internet. We have rules, when, uh, and I have to be very cautious about this. If we're watching TV, we, we got to really go past the commercials in a hurry or change the channel when a commercial comes on. Because the commercials nowadays are pornography. Man, we got to make sure that we're guarding our eyes. It means that we can't be a flirting man. Our wives have to know that we are a one-woman man. She has to know that our affections are toward her and that our eyes are toward her and toward her alone. Our words also need to communicate this to your wife. When's the last time you communicated that you desire her and her alone? When's the last time you told your wife that she was your one and only? Men, if your wife doesn't feel like that you desire her and her only, she will have a temptation to try to find that affirmation somewhere else. Also, as we love our wives as Christ loves us, we'll find that our love is satisfying. Satisfying. Jesus' love is satisfying. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Guys, your wife is a God-given treasure to be loved and to be cared for and to be nourished and to be cherished. 
As we seek to satisfy her every need, we need to make sure, first of all, that we're pursuing our wives. Pursuing our wives. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Men, can I tell you a secret? I found a good thing. God gave me a good thing. Jesus loves you men and Jesus pursues you. And God calls us to do the same thing, to pursue our wife, to woo her. And men, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Shane, I don't know how to romance my wife. I mean, I'm a guy. I don't know how to do that. And men, what we're actually saying when we say that is that I prefer to take the stupid male role rather than admit that I'm so prideful that that it's all about me and it's not about trying to pour into my wife and to woo her. We know how to do it, men. We did it before we married her. If you want to romance her, just go back to doing things that you used to do with her. Go on a bike ride. Take her on a picnic. Play cards with her. Whatever you used to do. Men, you got to make sure that you're flirting with her. Throw on the charm. You know how. You did it when you were trying to win her. Do something to let her know that you're thinking about her like... um, Wash the dishes. Fold the clothes. I wish you could be standing where I am and watch all the wives go. Look, look over at their husband at, the, at that moment. Men, how about ask her out on a date? It's easy. You just, you're at work. You call her on the phone and say, honey, hi, I, I'd like to go out on a date with you. Would you be interested? And first thing she's going to say is, who is this? <laughs> honey, it's your husband. Oh, Okay. Would you like to go on a date? Sure. And then you, 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 know, you take care of the kids. You get them, you get a babysitter and, and you come home and you knock on the door and she opens the door and she's going to think you're drunk. And, um, you know, no, I'm not, honey. I just, let's go on a date. And then you take her out somewhere nice. And that's not McDonald's, okay? And that's not the Bass Pro Shop, okay? You take her somewhere to let her know that you love her and you want to pursue her. Guys, if you don't know how to pursue your wife, ask her how to do it. She'll tell you. And then just do whatever she tells you to do. Go after her like a lion after its prey. And you can roar if you want to. Whatever you want to do. And then we also have to make sure that we prize our wives. One of the ways that we prize our wives is in the area of leaving and cleaving. Genesis uh, 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and thus shall become one flesh. We leave and cleave in a number of different ways. Number one, we got to make sure that we're leaving emotionally. Meaning we don't share our, our marital problems with our parents. We have to leave emotionally. We have to make sure that we're leaving financially. That means, men, when you face some financial difficulties, and you will, you don't run to daddy and ask him to fix it and to bail you out. Though we may need our parents' help sometime, we want to show our wives that we're willing to stand up and do what it takes. We also leave in the area of decision-making. Now, we need the wisdom of our parents sometimes, but we have to be willing, men, to try to make the decision to sit down with our wives and to talk it out and make a decision without the help of our parents. We also prize our wives by treating her like a princess. Men, she is a princess. She is God's daughter. She's the daughter of a king, and so we treat her like the prize that she is. We open doors for her. We hold her hand. We treat her as valuable and special. We fix things around the house for her, these things that make her feel 
special. We also want to make sure that we're living with her in an understanding way. Live with her in an understanding way. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, notice what it says. I mean, it says, live with her in an understanding way. It doesn't say understand her. Live with her as if you understand her. Now, some of you out here say, but Shane, you know, I got to understand her. And the good news is, if that's you, they've made a book for you. And this is it. You can get it at um, Amazon. You know, it, that's the book. And my wife said, that's, she told me, she said, honey, that's actually not the book. That's just the cliff notes. So it's, we're not, we don't have to understand her, but we have to live with her in an understanding way. We've got to make sure we're doing everything we can to understand her. Study her because we cherish her and we want to know her. And then the scripture says to treat her as a weaker vessel. What do we mean as a weaker vessel? I kind of describe that as fine china. Extremely valuable, extremely delicate. Extremely valuable, but extremely delicate. We treat her gingerly and tenderly because she's special and she's valuable. That means we don't treat her like one of the guys. We treat her like the princess that she is. So let's wrap this up, men. A selfless love, loving our wives without condition. Sacrificial love, a love that never gives up, even when everything inside of us wants to give up. A sanctifying love, a love that focuses on our wives' purity and focuses on our personal purity. Satisfying love, a love that pursues her, that prizes her, and that chooses to live with her in an understanding way. The man, I want you to look on the end um, I'm not on the end of the aisle, I'm sorry. You should have picked up a little booklet that says a personal evaluation for husbands. Part of your homework tonight, man, is to take some time to sit down and go through this personal evaluation. Remember, man, I, man, I said that we're supposed to be demonstrating leadership and demonstrating love to our wives. This is a way to demonstrate that to her. I'm willing to, to evaluate myself, honey to see if I'm doing what God called me to do effectively. And here's the second part of your homework, man. With a heart of humility and avoiding being defensive, ask your wife this question. What are some ways that I can love you more? What are some ways that I can love you more?